we welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. Webster's defines a pastor as a minister in charge of a Christian church or congregation. Y'all agree with that? Anybody got a different, different interpretation of it? Well, see, he's a pastor, but he ain't in charge. God is in charge. Okay, God is in charge of him, and he's in charge. I know how your house is run, so is everybody in your house in charge? I mean, is there ever a scenario where nobody can be in charge and you have order? I mean, in the playground, in the sandbox, there's a kid that has more influence than the others. He's in charge. (laughs) Am I telling the truth? You can watch him play. Your kid, you got four kids, most of you do. You got four kids, these folk be having babies, boy. They've been having babies like in 1937. (laughs) But ain't nothing wrong with, hey, that's what you want to do. But you can watch your four kids play, three kids play, and one of them's going to be in charge. Am I telling the truth? One of them's going to figure out a way. It may not even be the oldest. He's going to be in charge. My mama then would leave Tanya in charge, but Tanya wasn't in charge. She was older than me, bigger than me, but she wasn't in charge. <laughs> we all know who was in charge. <laughs> but really though, even in, the, even in the playground everywhere, whatever situation you dropped me in for some reason, I was going to be in charge. I wasn't trying to be. Everybody just looking at me. Okay, what do we do? Oh, okay, well, if it's like that, then let's do this. Let's just all get in trouble. How about that? Let's do what they said not to do. Everybody with me? Y'all all, everybody in agreement? All right, let's do this thing. <laughs> the teachers would call my house and tell my mama, they would say that the principal, they would tell my mom and daddy, they wouldn't be doing it if your son wasn't doing it. I just take one for the team. <laughs> Amen. So I always knew I have, even when I took my genetics test, it just showed, and I'm not saying this arrogantly or nothing, but it just shows that I have the build of somebody that was built to lead. That's God, not me. I didn't make me. Okay, so I just always naturally acquiesce to the leadership. So I look at things from a leadership perspective all the time. I be arguing with these dudes about the game. We be arguing about Steph Curry. There's all this disrespect to light skin. All these Negroes disrespecting this man after this man is doing something you ain't never seen before. Well, when I argue, I'm going to always argue from a leadership standpoint because I'm assessing everything. I'm assessing morality. I'm assessing off-the-court behavior. I'm assessing how he affects his team, how he affects the sport. I can't look at it any other way. I can't separate somebody from their antics, their behavior. I can't do it. I just can't. Like, mentally, I can't. You know, I had a problem with that growing up. I would hear, you know, pastors talking about preachers, and you can relate to this. And they would say, yeah, bring him, Doc. Doc, he going to raise offer, Doc. He going to preach. Now, but, you know, <laughs> when he finished, you know, you're going to have to get him straight to the hotel and watch him now because, you know, he, he, he going to this and that. And see, my mind, I just, even when I was young, I was like, I just can't separate this. Like, I'm not looking for him to be perfect, but if he's a danger to the people, how can he help him? 
So that, that just logically, I, I, that, that, that don't work with leadership or the kind of leadership I want to be. I, don't, I can't separate people from how they behave. So I have a problem with that. So I know I'm arguing with, the, with these guys and they argue and it's just, I can't, I have to argue to a certain point, then I got to stop because I can't separate these, I can't separate. That's just me, but I think God made me that way for leadership. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that because that's not always a good thing. But because people did that, as far as pastors are concerned, and then they came out with these TV shows showing pastors wilding out and living, we just like you. We said, well, then you can't help me. Now, I'm not saying pastors aren't human. I'm not saying they don't make mistakes, but they shouldn't be no vagabond either. Because your actions are going to affect too many people. So that means there has to be a higher standard for you. But anyway, a minister in charge of a congregation or a church, this is what a pastor is. So if he's in charge, that means that he has to have the best interest of the congregation in mind. All the time. If he's a watchman, that means he's got to watch for the congregation and make sure wolves don't come in. Y'all see me talking about the Hebrews and how I'm just, I jump on anything that look remotely like Hebrew Israelite in here. We jump on it so quick. It don't, it don't get to breathe good. Why? Because I'm a watchman. I'm going to make sure that that cancer doesn't grow in here. Because it's cancer. Amen. We don't do racism in here. Amen. We got white people in here. And a whole bunch of light-skinned folk. So ain't no light-skinned versus dark-skinned at ABC. Amen. Just because you dark and can run fast and jump higher, that don't make you better. That was racist. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Somebody recorded just that part. I'm uploading this. I got him now. (laughs) The purpose of God's church is to come together with what? Like-minded believers for fellowship, worship, and to what? To, to do what? Have the word of God, what? Taught to us. So you're supposed to come together with like-minded believers, to fellowship, worship, have the word of God taught to us. Acts 2 and 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and what? So they kept fellowshipping as the apostles taught them. Amen. In the New Testament... The church was formed by the apostles of Jesus to illustrate how we should function as believers in a world that is what? Governed by sin. So the church was created to kind of go back to the way it was in Israel to kind of be a self-sustaining group of people that had their own code of morality and they all, you know, uh, learned the, the, the doctrine of the apostles and different things, just like they learned the law of Moses. They all came together. They lived in the world, but they were not of the world. They had their own set of laws or commandments or rules. Does that make sense? 
So this is what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to come in here, talk about what we want. That's why we're not supposed to be 501c3 where the government can tell us what to preach. We're not supposed to do that stuff. We should be able to come in here, talk about I should be able to say homosexual and talk about the lesbian and the transgender. We talk about the stuff that is immoral to us concerning the word of God. If the word of God deemed it immoral, we should be able to say out loud that it's immoral. That's why we have a church. Amen. Why would we be in a church and we can't say nothing? Oh, you can't preach that, doctor. Oh, no, you can't preach that. Then what are we doing? That's the whole purpose of the church. So that whatever's going on outside there in the world does not change us. We come in here and we talking the way we talk. Some of y'all got to work on your job and you can't talk that way. Because are you on your job, you supposed to be doing your job. Amen. You ain't that to evangelize. Nobody hired you to hear you. They didn't hire to hear you. Your dissertation and exegese. They ain't hired to hear that. Nobody want to hear that. You know how I know they don't want to hear it? Because you get tired of hearing it. Don't you hate when you have to work with a Hebrew? A Hebrew Israelite? So, you know, we don't, that's not what they hired you for. You saved that. Talk, to, talk like that around the, the believers, the adamant believers, your, your, your brothers, your sisters. When we come to church, we all on one accord. Being who we really are. Oh, so I mean, I'm not supposed to represent. You represent the Lord with your lifestyle. Matter of fact, the less you talk, the better it's going to look for all of us. <laughs> but in the New Testament, the church was formed. By the apostle of Jesus to illustrate how we should function as believers in a world that is governed by sin. Acts 2 and 47. Praising God and having favor with all people. All the people. And the Lord added to the church what? Daily. Such as should be saved. So we're not talking about a small church here. We're talking about a church that was growing by leaps and bounds to the point to where they had to break, break it up into different groups with the different apostles and each one had a group because it was just too big but it was growing because they had favor with each other and they were teaching truth they were teaching something that was effective in helping people and that always grows amen ain't that why you here from outdoor meetings tents homes and now building facilities the church of god is not only the physical body of a believer but also the gathering together of believers in a what physical location so stop with the semantics trying to say well no to see the church is in us yeah but when we all come together what is it it's a church whether we meeting outside in a tent whether we meeting in a building it's a church we all decide building is the way how many of you decided that building is the way you want it to go how many of y'all about the tent life i mean if you are you got to move up north or something or, or midwest you can't do that in texas Amen. We don't need hell practice every Sunday. That's the sermon every Sunday. Y'all don't want to go to hell. Feel how I feel now. Hell is much. Look at your neighbor and say hell is much hotter. You, I'm, I'm tired of hearing that. You going to say that every Sunday? We need some walls. Amen. So you elect to be here. You elect to give us money in the offering so that we can build this facility. Uh, right? Acts 2 and 46, and they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread, where? From house to house, did eat their meat with what? Gladness and what? 
singleness. They ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, meaning they were all on the same page. They went from house to house. They came all. Now, they weren't going from house to house having church. They were going from house to house to fellowship. But then they all came together. They wouldn't, when it was 5,000, they were outside. They were just going wherever they could go so that they could be together. The intent of every pastor should be to teach believers God's word and mature them in doctrine. Now, the pastor should mature them in doctrine so they can handle their issues and problems that threaten their peace. That's why you come here so you can have peace of mind. You have peace of mind when you make good decisions. When you make bad decisions, your peace is interrupted. Am I telling the truth? Right. You can't sleep good on some bad decisions. Why? Because your peace has been interrupted. But when, it's, when you know you did the right thing, when you know you did it God's way, a peace just comes. If the church isn't able to produce that in your life, then what are we doing? Why do the church members have the same problem the world got? Like, why are we all messed up and struggling and our lives are just wrecked? The same as the world. And why are we coming here? If I can't preach something that will actively change your life to the point to where you can have peace in the midst of chaos, then what are we doing? Some churches, you, you didn't have a problem till you got there. Like, everything was good till I joined this mess. It's got to be peace. So the preacher's job is to do this so they can handle the problems that threaten their peace. Jeremiah 3 and 15. And I will give you pastors according to whose heart? This is God speaking. Mine heart, which shall feed you with what? Knowledge and what? <laughs> How many of you know understanding brings peace? Ever had a misunderstanding? Did you have peace while you had a misunderstanding? But once you understood and got an understanding, you were able to have what? This is just so simple. The pastor is supposed to be doing that. He's supposed to give you knowledge and understanding so that you ain't worried about it. The purpose of a pastor is not to govern the homes of the believers, Lord. Oh, we're not here to govern your homes. Amen. I'll tell you some stuff that might help you, but I'm not governing your home. But the purpose of the pastor is not to govern the home of the believer, but rather to do what? Set the example for them so they can know how to govern their own affairs. Now, listen, men are human. Men don't make mistakes. Men make error. Men have personal things, issues, whatever that they're fighting through. Whatever, whatever, whatever. That's just humans. Right? Humans. I'm not making excuses, but pastors are humans. So they're going to make some error. So when I say example, that don't mean you do everything that they do. But if they are showing you a pattern of good decisions, then you should adopt that. The pastor needs to set the example. That's the thing I don't understand. Like, it seems like pastors, I mean, it's like their homes. It's like they're so catered to what the world is doing or they match the world. The, the, the people in the audience don't even have a concept of how to do it God's way. They're so worldly. But you're supposed to be setting an example. So if the pastor is sitting up watching the R-rated movies all the time and telling y'all y'all need to go, he's not setting an example. You know, in certain movies I can't watch just because I need to set a better example than that. 
Oh, I can't see. You can't get amens on this. It's certain music I'm never going to listen to because I need to set an example. You shouldn't listen to it either, but you crazy. But I'm not listening to it because, man, I mean, I don't want to get a head full of that. That's going to lead me down a path, and I'm going to mess up. Yeah, certain places I can't go. Had somebody the other day invite me to something, and, man, I really would have liked to go. But I can't be in that atmosphere. Even though I like the person, that the, the band that was performing, I can't be in that atmosphere, man. And that's because I'm a pastor. So I'm setting an example. Amen. As much as I want to, that's why I understand. Why do you think you can do whatever you want to do and the people just have to accept it? Brother, the Bible said to whom much is given. Why? Don't accept the call if you're not ready to sacrifice. Matthew 23 and 9. And call no man your father upon earth, but one is your father which is in heaven. He's not talking about your daddy. See, that's why I don't ever call him the father. Just shut up. That's dumb. No, he's saying don't put a man in that place between you and God. Okay? So I'm not your daddy. Don't be walking around here calling me and, and my wife mama and daddy. Hey, dad. Dad? Oh, yeah, brother. See, I fathered them into the gospel. You can father them into the gospel, but they called you dad. Paul called Timothy his son because he fathered him in the gospel, but Timothy didn't call him dad. Timothy had a daddy. But these churches got that from Catholicism. You know, everything the Bible said don't do, Catholics do. Call no man father. What is the, what is, what is the leader of the mass called? Father. I mean, they were just taking shots at God. That's how you know it's Antichrist. Pastors must never lose sight of their original intent and purpose for pastoring. This is just, uh, you can't lose sight of the original intent and purpose for pastoring. So whatever, re- when God calls you to do it and you believe you're supposed to do it because you have a love for the people, you can never lose that love for the people. It is not for the money. It's not for money for fame, or to be in charge of others, but to serve God's people in doctrine and in deed. So you don't pastor for money. You don't pastor for fame. You don't pastor to be in charge of others. Amen. That's why God gave you a home. God gave a man a home so he can be in charge of something. Don't you know that's what your home is for? All the other animals were being led by a male leader God looked at him and said, you know what? Man don't have nobody to lead. So he made woman and cheering so the man can have somebody to lead. But God gave you the home so you can be in charge of something so that you, you know, you don't have to walk around looking for fame or fortune or looking. Because those are only men that's looking for fame and fortune is when they ain't in charge of their home. Amen. The pastors that's always on the internet, uh, glossing and smiling, always on it, showing themselves. Yeah, they at, at home they they tuck their tail and do what they told. Acts twenty and twenty eight. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. The Holy Ghost put you over the entire flock to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. Y'all don't know how hard it was for me to sit six weeks and not feed y'all. 
That was hard. I started feeling like I didn't, I shouldn't even exist. I'm serious. I just started feeling like, man, I am doing these folks so wrong, but I couldn't do it. I thank God I have a home that I can go to. I can sit up under my wife. I can hang out with uh, Landon and Jonathan. I mean, I can have a good time with my family and I'm good. But I do want to preach the gospel because I'm a pastor. And I want to feed y'all because y'all are sheep. So it felt bad because I know that's my call. That's my goal. And man, I, I just, it would start messing with my head because I couldn't do it. But that's what God called me to do. And these are the people he purchased with his blood. So I take it very seriously. I take your well-being seriously. I actively prevent foolishness from coming in the ABC for your well-being. Amen. I don't want your sons to see that. I don't want your daughters to see that. Certain people we just don't bring. We don't have a lot of guests. But what we do, we definitely check them out. I don't want to get up and do no disclaimer after they leave. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. I don't want no bones laying around here. Let's just don't do it. See, that's, that's the problem I have with your ministry. Now, you don't ever have no conferences. You don't ever open the doors to the public. Why? We don't have room for the people we got. Amen. But he purchased them with his own blood. So feed the church of God. That's the job of the pastor to feed the flock. Amen. The fellowship should never grow because of trends or worldly devices. Amen. You ain't going to ever see a, a comedy show at ABC. Never see it. You'll never see it. Some of the stuff they do is funny. But I don't like nobody taking the Lord's name in vain. That's not funny to me. So the minute you start mimicking and mocking altar call in Jesus' name and you've been saved and God's blood and Jesus' blood and you're putting all that in your comedy, that's not funny to me. I don't laugh at that. I take that very seriously. Hey, see, buddy, folk looking at me like, what? No, man, some stuff is just not, we're not joking with the blood of Jesus. He really did die. Ain't nobody joking with the blood of your brother or sister that got killed or your mom. That, that, that's not funny. So I'm not mocking that. So comedy that mocks that is not comedy to me. That's taking his name in vain. That's being disobedient to a commandment and God definitely doesn't like it. So if God don't like it, I don't want it. I don't need to laugh that bad. I mean, really, I'd make enough jokes myself to keep, I, I can crack Boy, I cracked myself up. I don't need to be joking about the blood of Jesus, mocking Jesus and the crucifixion and junk for a laugh. And you shouldn't be laughing at it either. It's not funny. Watching a little cartoon somebody sent me, you know, and it started off, it was funny. He was mocking, you know, he was mocking T.D. Jakes and, and Joel Osteen, whatever, in the little cartoon or whatever, but they just kept saying, oh, see, I, I, the blood of Jesus is upon you, and I, I, you, you know, now you're saved. You're saved. That's not funny to me. That's just not funny to me because folks need salvation. So we shouldn't be trivializing it. It's not funny. So you can go to the comedy show, but you won't see it in here. We ain't doing no comedy show at ABC, and we ain't all going couples night to hear nobody mock the church. Ooh, it got quiet on that. What, what, what? No, that's, that's the truth. That's not funny. Brother, you, that, that, I don't care if you got a million hits. That's the world liking you. But the Bible said don't take his name in vain. 
Don't use it for vanity. But people should be drawn to a church by the word being taught and the examples what? Being said. Heard this one preacher get on, on, on the internet and Lord, he on the internet. Oh, see, see, we brought, what's the girl name? Jessica Reedy. We brought Jessica Reedy to the church and see, see, she tried to, she was up singing and she just kept messing her words up and she just kept messing up and she couldn't get her song, song right and she couldn't remember a song and all this or whatever. Then later we found out that she was fasting for Ramadan to a false god. Fasting Jessica Reedy. Fasting to Ramadan. So I thank God our church is so Holy Ghost filled that she couldn't, she couldn't get up there. She couldn't even sing in here because the church is filled with the Holy Ghost. She couldn't even sing to a false god in our church. Everybody went crazy. Ah! Did you pay her? Did she get a check with your church name on it? So God was testing y'all and you have to pay for the test. That's some ridiculous foolishness. Oh, we ain't got to bring, we ain't got to bring all that in here. Watch our own TV. We got to bring her in. Is somebody that won a contest? I don't make you no gospel singer because you won a contest. Acts, oh, Acts 2 and 41. Then they gladly received his word. Those that gladly received the word, they were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This was a mega church. 3,000 souls. People should not be objectified or used as a financial catalyst to fulfill the pipe dreams of men that desire to be lifted up. You don't use your members because you got a dream of having or being great. So you're going to build a great ministry. So you can be great. The church should base their expenditures on growth and needs versus the selfish what? Church should base their expenditures on needs instead of trying to make some man feel great. That's not what the church money is for. That's not what the people of God is for. Y'all don't come here to make me feel like I'm somebody. Y'all think y'all make me feel like I'm somebody? I hid y'all for the first eight years anyway. We was hid with no sign. Nobody knew how many folks was in there. Joe couldn't let the fire marshal know. Wasn't talking about the church. And oh, doc, yeah, you should see this work I'm doing over here. Dude asked me on the radio when he was interviewing me. Doc, tell the people about your church. <laughs> Y'all always hear that little hesitation in the interview. <laughs> tell them, where you at, man? People looking for you. <laughs> And the last time, I didn't give no address. Tell the people where you are. Oh, we out in Believe the Council of Northern Hills. But what I really want to say is, y'all hear me? Dude, I don't. <laughs> Man, it ain't. Because it's not about that to me. It's not about how many people are here. Man, I panic when I hear there's an overflow. There's people in the overflow. I just asked uh, a Sister Claire, I was like, is that an overflow? She said, well, yeah. I mean, because I'm not trying to just grow a big church. Because y'all don't do nothing for my gusto and my ego. I need my family okay. I need my wife happy. That's important to me. Not how you feel. I mean, I thank God you come. I thank God you get the word. But that's important to me. And y'all are great people. Y'all are great congregation. I wouldn't want to replace any of y'all, honestly. And I'm I'm honestly saying that. But when y'all go home, y'all go to y'all's homes. So if I base the way I'm feeling on how y'all are feeling about me, I'm in trouble when you're not thinking about me. 
So I make sure, I got to make sure she's okay. I don't want her looking at me funny, cross-eyed, because I'm up here uh, playing a fraud, being something. You know what I'm saying? So that matters to me. But that keeps me from getting up and using you guys for some what, what. I need to get around the church folks so they can put me on a pedestal and make me feel like I'm great. So the, the church needs to base their expenditures on growth and needs versus the selfish ambition of men. First Timothy 6 and 9 says it like this. But they that will be rich or they that want to be rich do what? And in the many foolish and hurtful what? Person that want to be rich falls into many foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in what? Destruction and what? Sin. So if you want to be rich, you're going to be in a snare. You're going to be tempted, foolish, hurtful lust. You're going to drown in this all because you feel like you should be rich. Anybody feel like they should be rich already got a problem. Can I keep going? The people of the fellowship should remain responsible for giving and caring for the place they gather so that it will be a place of sound teaching and not compromised by the need of. You'll change the whole landscape of a church if you stop giving because then you make the preacher preach about giving. Then he's got to start mixing some stuff in it to convince you to give. And then you got compromise. 2 Corinthians 9 and 12, for the service that the ministering of this fund of your giving renders does not only fully supply what is lacking to the saints, God's people, but it also overflows in many cries of thanksgiving unto God. So you're not only just giving to help the ministry, you're giving in thanksgiving to God. I thank you, Lord, for what you have provided me. You have given us an opportunity. I mean, you've given us an opportunity to raise our kids in an environment that is anti the world. We got homeschool stuff. We got field trips. Suspense Arbery's planning something. My wife, they're doing stuff for your kids. We're doing stuff. We're going to see a movie all together. We just, I mean, we're doing things together. You have an opportunity to do that. So you ought to at least give in thanksgiving for that. And then I get the word. Summary. The original intent of many churches today was lost because the leadership was overly ambitious and used the church to prove their own value and worth. But the original intent of the church gets lost because the leadership gets overly ambitious. Using the church to prove their own value and worth. Fathers teach sons to be content and to embrace who they are without the need of what? Embrace who you are without the need of someone's approval. That's what a father teaches his children. Be who you are. You don't need to be approved of by folks. I'm approving of you. I am your father and I approve this message. You're going to make it, son, because I, I made it. I'm making it in front of you so you can see how to make it. That's why I get up every day, go to work to show you what you're going to be doing. You're going to be getting up every day and what? Going to work. That's your purpose in this life. Yeah, fathers teach sons how to be content and embrace who they are. 
But when contentment and identity are lacking, so because of fatherlessness, men strive for things to show off and get the attention and acceptance of people. When these characteristics are present among church leadership, the intent and purpose of the church is lost in the selfish ambition of the leader. Couple this with an overbearing wife or children that do not desire to follow him, and you have a pastor that desperately needs the approval of his congregation. Heaping up on themselves teachers. And it's sad, too. You know, I've been pastoring for 10 years now, so I can preach this message. I wouldn't have preached this message last year or five years ago. I didn't feel like I was, had done it long enough. But now I feel like I can preach this message because I've been pastoring 10 years and things have stayed the same. I mean, who was here when I first started? Are they the same? Are things the same? Are they the same, uh, Kwaman? It's the same. So I feel like I've stayed the, I feel like I've stayed the course and I've done what I was supposed to do for 10 years straight, so now I can get up and say something. Amen? I know that's still a baby. I'm a baby pastor. But I haven't changed because of it. Because I kept my home first priority. Amen? So, and I never used the church to blow up and be famous. But you couple this with an overbearing wife and children that don't desire, man, this man's going to need his congregation to approve of him. This causes the pastor to cater to the people for self-love. He compromises to keep himself in position for upward mobility and never truly addresses the issues of his congregants because his own deficiencies permeate his being. So what's wrong with him is keeping him from addressing what's wrong with everybody. His call remains, but his intent is no longer to feed the sheep, but rather to fleece them or profit from them or use them to feel better about himself. That's easy to do. And so they don't address the congregation because they have all these issues. His call remains, but his intent is no longer to feed the sheep, but he's going to profit from them. The sheep become symbols of success and objectify to be used as chattel that proves how influential the shepherd is. So he's basically using the people as influence. God's intent and purpose for the church must never change. It's time for pastors everywhere to repent and turn back to God. It's time to give up selfish agendas and ambitions that cause men to use the church as a place of what? Validation. Members of these fellowships must pray that their leaders get back to sound doctrine and lay aside their selfish motives. The judgment of the church has begun. How many of you know that? Definitely. And those that do not heed the warning will have to answer for it. I'm heeding the warning. Amen. I'm checking myself. Amen. I check myself all the time. I got to make sure. I'm good with God. First Peter 5 and 2 says, feed the flock of God which is among you. Uh-oh. He just killed Facebook right there and the YouTube preacher. He said, feed the flock of God which is where? Where are they? Among you. Uh-oh. Folk launching worldwide web ministries. Feed the flock of God, which is among you. Take the oversight 
thereof. Not by constraint, but what? Willingly. That's what I'm saying. Once it becomes constraint for me, uncomfortable for me, I got to do this willingly. Amen? Not for money. Filthy lucre. Don't do it for money. Don't pastor for money. Don't pastor for money. But of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. Don't lord over the people. You're not their boss. You're not their lord. Christ is the Lord. Don't take Christ's place in people's lives. But instead, be a what? Example to the flock. Just be an example. I guarantee you they're watching you. And when the chief shepherd, who is Christ, shall appear, ye shall what? Receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of the Adamant Believers Council in North Richland Hills, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas 76124 or donate online at exministries.com.